Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, so how did you get here today? You say, hmm, well, I got in my car and came here. That's not what I'm talking about, although that's true. You know, if you're watching here today, how'd you get here today? You say, well, I just came from the back room <laughs> into this room. Yeah, that's, that does illustrate what we want to talk about, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about much bigger than that. I'm talking about how is it in your life, everything that's happened in your life, and that you have come to this place. There have been plenty of things in your life that were handed to you that you didn't ask for, right? Uh, There are plenty of things that have happened to you that you had no control over. But the way that you got to where you are today is all of the choices that you have made along the way. How did you respond to those things? What did you do with those things? You had choices that you made all along the way that brought you in your life to where you are today. And when we don't think about our choices and we just kind of make choices as we move along and, and, and that what, what happens is that we don't really make progress. But when we think about our choices and we begin to make those choices in, in sort of a following a pattern and, and principles and continue to make those choices and to look at life in a way that when we make these choices continues to move us, we, we make progress, we, we get somewhere that we want to be and more importantly where God wants us to be. And so starting today, for for four Sundays here, we're going to talk about choices that determine our destiny. We want to think about, as as we're making these life choices, what what do we need to be mindful of? What kinds of choices are we looking at? Because the reality is, is that even though there are many, many different details that come into all of these choices, there are certain aspects of that choice that show up again. And again and again and again. And we want to be alert to those things so we can make the choices that will make our destiny, like I said, not only what we want it to be, but what God wants it to be. Because ultimately, that is what we are going to really want in the end. And so today, we're going to talk about the choice of repentance or regrets. Repentance or regrets. Now, this choice is, is, is a little bit different than the other choices that we'll be looking at in this respect. On, on first glance, we say, well, I don't really want to choose either of those, right? Because repentance seems like, oh, man, that's not, a, you know, I'm not happy to be there. And, and regrets, who wants regrets, right? But I want you to see today, and I think it'll be clear to you before we're done, that There is this, we need to have this mindset of choosing to be repentant. Because if we don't, we end up with regrets. None of us are going to consciously choose here today. Probably none of us would choose. I want regrets in my life. That's what I'm looking for. We're not going to do that, right? But if we don't choose repentance, regret is what we end up with. So let's go to the Lord in prayer here again. Father, thank you 
for this opportunity to open your word and look at it together. I pray, Father, for your spirit to speak to us. Speak to us from your word. Challenge us. Encourage us. Grow us. Stir our hearts, Father, to, to respond to you speaking to us in a way that honors you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we talk about repentance, what are we talking about? Now, you may have grown up in a religious background that talked about penance, okay? Doing penance, right? You sin, now you have to do penance. And uh, so this, you, you might think of repentance as something you have to do, you know, religious actions or prayers or, or whatever that you have to do to somehow kind of try to make up for what you did wrong, okay? That is not what repentance is, and that's not what the Bible talks about, okay? Now, God, the Holy Spirit, very purposefully chose the words that he wanted in the Scripture, and he chose this word repentance very purposefully. The word repentance means this, to change your mind in a way that changes your actions. It's actually very simple. If we really want to know it, it's really just to change your mind, okay? To change your mind. But it, it's... In the context, as we read it again and again, it's you're changing your mind in a way that, that engages your heart and changes what you do. So it's, it's a repentance. It's a change. And so it's a, in a sense, it's a turning. In other words, if I'm going this direction, I say, oh, wait a minute. That's not, this isn't the right direction. That's the right direction. What am I doing? I'm doing what? Turning. I'm turning away from this to this, and now what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go in this direction, I'm gonna move differently, I'm gonna take different actions. Now it does, in, I believe it all along the way it engages our heart because all of our issues of life, you know, engage the heart. But usually when we think, think about repentance, and in, in most of the time when we see it in scripture, it has this idea of uh, rejecting what's wrong and embracing what's right, okay? I've changed my mind about this. That's not right. This is, and so I'm, I'm turning away from what's wrong. I'm going to embrace what's right, okay? And we see this illustrated in uh, Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians when he talks about what happened to them and what their reputation is. And he said this, he talks about how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they were worshiping idols, and he says, but they turned what? Turned from, away from the idols, and what? To God. So there's a change of mind here, a change of what I think, what I believe here, to serve the living God, which produces a change in life, okay? Now, repentance may include a sense of sorrow. There are times and places where it produces a tremendous amount of sorrow for what's going on. It doesn't have to, to be repentance, but very often it is. And we see this story of this. You remember Peter? He was so committed to the Lord, and, and the Lord says, you guys are going to run away and hide. You're going to leave me. And Peter says, not me, Lord, and I'll die with you if need be. And Jesus says, nah, you know what, Peter? Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning early, you will have already denied me three times. And sure enough, it happens. We don't need to go through the story, but it happens. And then the Bible says that the rooster crowed and Jesus, where he was, turned and looked at Peter and made eye contact. 
And all of a sudden, Peter knew. He, he was blown away, right? And it says in the story, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. And sometimes that's the way things are. I think especially, you know, sometimes repentance comes, and if you've come to Christ as Savior, you have repented at some point. We'll talk about that in a minute. But sometimes, wow, this is a new wave. I never saw this way. I didn't understand this way. And so we turn and we turn to the Lord and, and, and we're actually excited about it and kind of in awe of what's going on. And we may not always feel a deep sorrow there. But I think it's much more happens as someone who's a Christian. When we know that right way and we've, but we've been living the wrong way. We're living in sin and, and trying to ignore God and trying to rationalize and trying to justify. And when all of a sudden, like Peter, we... We see where we're at. That will typically break us. And we, we turn to the Lord. So it can include, often does include, some deep sorrow. Uh, and this idea of but embracing wrong and, and uh, excuse me, re <laughs> rejecting wrong, embracing right, I should have said, we're talking about significant things here. We're not talking about the fact of, oh, I used to, pumpkin pie used to be my favorite, now apple pie is. Well, that's a change of mind, isn't it? Okay. So technically you might want to say that, but that's not what repentance is about, okay? That's why I'm saying it's, it's usually about, wait a minute, this is wrong. And this is right. There's nothing wrong with pumpkin pie. You may change your opinion about it, but that's not what we're talking about, significant kinds of things in our lives. And, and then the third thing to say about this is that genuine repentance always produces change in a person's life. Genuine repentance. So it's possible to, to say you repented. It's possible to go through the motions of repentance and not really be repentant. And one of the ways that you can tell is because it changes how you live. It changes how you look at things, how you respond to things, what you do. Let's go in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. If you're using the Bible there in the chairs, that's page 1181. And if you don't have a Bible with it, we encourage you to pick up that one in the chairs. Turn to page 1181. Now, in this story, John the Baptist is preaching. John the Baptist's ministry was a ministry of calling people to repentance. Because the Messiah was coming. The Savior of the world was coming. The one who Israel had to look forward to was coming. And so he's challenging people to repent and, and, and get aligned with God. Realign yourself with God so that you're ready. So that's what he was preaching about. But let's see how this goes. Um, verse 7. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him. And before, before I go any farther. Did John the Baptist wear a three-piece suit? I don't know. I don't know how many pieces it was. But it was camel hair. It wasn't anything fancy, okay? It wasn't fancy at all. He lived in the wilderness. It said he ate bugs and honey, okay? He's a different kind of guy. I kind of get this little bit wild-eyed. Now, God was using him. God was speaking through him. But so, can I preach to you the way John the Baptist might have preached here? Can we read this that way? You guys promise you won't throw me out when we're done? So John's out the preaching. The people come out to hear him. And he says, brood of vipers. That's not a very nice thing to say, is it? You bunch of snakes. 
Brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? And he looks across and he says, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Okay, so he's saying, if you're genuinely repentant, it will show in your life. Just like, you know, an uh, uh, orange tree will produce oranges. Repentance will produce some kinds of changes, all right? So he says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit, fruit worthy of repentance, is cut down and thrown into the fire. God's working. God is speaking. God's spirit is challenging the people who are hearing. And this affects them. And we see this in verse 10. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? So they're starting to have this change of mind. Wait a minute. Okay, so something different does need to happen. What do we do? Not just what do we think, but what do we do? So it's, it's going to be a change of mind that leads to a change in action. So let's read and see what he says. Verse 11, he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, cloaks, uh, coats maybe, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to him to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him saying, and what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. So he's, he's undoubtedly uh, challenging people where they're at. Okay, this is the, in other words, you have not been sharing what you have with those who are in need. Start sharing what you have with those who are in need. You have not been being honest when you're doing your work tax collectors. Be honest with people. Soldiers, you have mist been mistreating people. Let's don't mistreat people anymore and be content, okay? But you see all these things as preaching about repentance, fruits that match repentance, there are actions, aren't there? And so that's what we're trying to say. Genuine repentance always produces changes in a person's life. So let's look at some examples of repentance here. Turn to Luke chapter 23. Uh, this is the story of Jesus and his crucifixion. And you remember the story as he was taken out uh, to Golgotha. He was uh, crucified. And on either side of him, they also crucified a thief. They, they were putting, together, put, putting to death two criminals, one on either side of him. Verse 39 says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. And right there, when I, I read this again this morning, looking at it, bang, that is it. See, this is that moment. There's, there's been repentance here, hasn't there? Right? Because, uh, you know, he's been living his life as a thief, doing his thing, running, hiding, whatever, upset. But now he's seen Jesus here and what's going on, and, and he realizes something. We'll, we'll see, but... 
I deserve this. See, that's a, that's a change, isn't it? Change of mind. Verse 41 again, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now that is an amazing thing, isn't it? <laughs> this thief who has lived his life, however he has lived it, to brings him to the place where he's being put to death. And, and he says, you know, he just humbles him. Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. Jesus says, today, <laughs> today you will be with me in paradise paradise. Was he able to get baptized? No. So you must not have to get baptized to make it to heaven. Could he go out and do religious works? Could he go out in the world and do just good works? None of these things could he. Could he go back and give money back to the people he stole from? He couldn't do any of that and yet Jesus says today you'll be in paradise. And So that reminds us that we never earn our salvation. We do not earn a relationship with God. We do not earn our forgiveness. We cannot earn our forgiveness. God has provided everything that we need for forgiveness when Jesus died for us and rose again. So what good news there? But I want you to see something here. So even though the thief couldn't do anything, we've said that repentance always brings a change of mind that leads to a change in actions. Have there been any changed actions in this thief's life? Yeah. This new realization has brought him to say what? To challenge the one who's blaspheming God. That's, a, that's a fruit of repentance. The fact that he humbles himself before Christ and says, remember me. It's, it's change, see? And so this idea of repentance, this change of mind that Obviously, engages our heart and then changes how we live. So we can see an example of, of repentance. There's another very, very famous example of repentance for us, and that is King David. You know, we remember the story how he committed adultery and then had a man killed, had the, the woman's husband put to death in, in a battle under false pretenses. And... God doesn't let it slide and God brings a prophet to him and God speaks to David through this prophet and he says to him, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? And so there's more information, but he confronts David about his sin. And all of a sudden David, face to face with it, makes a choice. And what we see is repentance. He didn't harden himself at this point. He repented. And he answers, he says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So let's look and see what he said. Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is page 652 in the Bible there in the chairs. And it's a little bit of a longer passage we're going to read. But I think we're going to catch this, this heart and mind that is, has has become repentant and where it's leading. Psalm 51. Now, I don't know if it says in yours or not, but there's notes up there under the title of Psalm 51. It says, to the chief musician, the Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. So it is this specific point in time. 
David has written these words about it. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So understand that David had been living for months with the fact that he had committed adultery and the fact that he'd had uh, Bathsheba's husband put, he'd been living with this, had to harden himself, had to, you know, how we do this when we're living in sin, push all away. Now he is what? It's flooded in. I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned. Verse three, for I acknowledge my transgression. See, there's that repentant mindset. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. You say, well, wait a minute. Didn't he sin against Bathsheba? Yeah. Didn't he sin against Uriah, her husband? Yeah, he did. Didn't he sin against the people of God he was supposed to be leading? Yeah, he did. But here's the, the reality. When we become genuinely repentant before God, all those things matter. But you know what? It's God I have to take it up with. And then I can work on those things afterwards. But until, until I've made it right with God, I cannot make it right with anybody else. So God against you, it's you I've sinned against. Verse five, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. So he knew this was an inside out issue for him. Purge me with hyssop. That was a plant that the priests used in the temple as part of their ceremonies for cleansing. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do you see this change that has occurred in him? From being hardened, going his own way, doing his own thing, to, oh God, I don't want to be that way. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Thankfully, now when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit never leaves us. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. So he's talking about this change his life, what he's going to do, how he's going to live. And, and so that's, we see that repentance there. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Now these two verses, last ones we're going to read here, are critical for our understanding. David says to God, for you do not desire sacrifice. Now, when you talk about sacrifice, you're talking about in the Old Testament law, they would bring animals uh, to sacrifice to the Lord as pictures of what Jesus Christ was going to do for them, okay? Important, yes, they were supposed to do it, supposed to teach them things and remind them. But when it comes right down to it, he says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And so when the people in, in the Old Testament law brought their sacrifices, what was God looking for? Was he looking for the animal and the blood it would shed? 
Or was he looking for the heart of the person bringing it? That's what he was looking for. And so we see here that repentance, again, so we've got to be careful, and that, that goes back to that mindset of, of penance. This is not penance. But it's this idea of coming before God with a broken spirit, a, a broken heart, contrite, repentant, okay? A change. And so these are examples of what repentance looks like from the word of God. So three important facts about repentance. First one is this, is repentance is a built-in part of saving faith. It just goes together, okay? Um, the, the Apostle Paul talking about his message that he preached in, in Romans, or excuse me, Acts 20, 21, he said it talks about repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So I'm going my own way, doing my own thing, before I know Jesus as Savior, I might even be really religious and I'm doing all of this stuff, but wait a minute, all of a sudden, no. This is what I'm doing, it's my thing, but God has done something different to forgive my sin. And so I turn away from that toward God. See that? Toward God and toward faith in Christ. And so repentance towards God, faith in Christ. And so repentance is, I think, just really intertwined with genuine saving faith. They, they go together. They are never separated. And so let me say that to you today, that if, if you came to some point in your life where you, have, you intellectually acknowledged, okay, I think that the gospel's probably true. And so you kind of went along with it and you, you go to church or maybe you're in and out or whatever you do and but there was never this place where all of a sudden you said, whoa, wait a minute. I am lost. I am unsaved. And turn from that to God. You might want to think through this in your life and think, am I really right with God? Have I really reached that place where I had repentance away from and toward him? I mean, for me, folks, this was the, the biggest, this is when it really became real to me. I grew up in church. I heard the gospel. I sang songs about the gospel. Uh, it wasn't a real solid Bible-believing church. It was a mixture of people, and I left that late in high school. And then I got involved in a church that was preaching the gospel, and I came back there, and I assumed that I had what they had because I knew these facts. I knew these stories. And I started to go to church and I even got baptized and I'm doing all this kind of stuff, but I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. You know why? Because there had never been that place in time where I came to that saving faith with repentance, that repentance that's part of that. And I'm struggling. I said, how come I can't live like a Christian and why this and why that? And I remember the night, and I heard the gospel, I'm not going to go into all those details, but I, heard, I, I got down to pray and I'm saying, oh God, I, you know, I don't know why I live in this way and all this kind of stuff. And, and finally... It was just, I knew, and I stopped, and I said, okay, God, I know I'm not saved. I'm turning away from this. I didn't consciously think I'm turning away, but what I did is I, I turned from this life that I had put together and living and turned to him and said, I'm hopeless. I need you, I need. And I trust that Christ is saved. Because that, that repentance is an important part of coming to Christ. And I'm not trying to nail down it has to happen this way, that way, or the other way. I'm just saying it needs to be part of your understanding of what it means to be a saved person. Okay? Repentance is part of that. 
Second fact, repentance is a good thing. <laughs> Once again, we think of repentance as being sorry and sorrow, and it is that, and wow, we feel bad, and that means something has been bad, all kinds of stuff. Repentance, but repentance is a good thing. Always in the Word of God, when it talks about people repenting, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Uh, in Romans chapter 2, Paul describes, he talks about the goodness of God that leads you to what? That leads you to repentance. If, if the goodness of God wouldn't lead you to something that's bad, he's leading you to something that's good, and so re being repentant is a good thing. Um, and then the third truth, repentance is, is not only part of the way to life, it's also intended to be a way of life. So let me, let me explain what I mean by this. I'm not talking about, oh, you've got to live your life as a sorry mess. <laughs> Sometimes we are, aren't we? But it's not talking about living your life as a sorry mess. It's certainly remembering to get the, the penance thing out of your mind. It isn't that. What I'm talking about here is that you live with a readiness to repent. A readiness to repent. You want to know what's really true. You don't want to be going your own way. You want to go God's way. You don't want to be deceived by the world. You want to know what's true with God. You, and so you have this readiness to repent and you live that way. Proverbs talks about this multiple times. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. He who regards a rebuke will be honored. He who receives correction is prudent. And the whole idea is this being open to God's correction. And, and see, when God corrects, what's he say? Look at the scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? And it's profitable. Do you remember what it's profitable for? It says it's profitable for doctrine. That's teaching the things we believe. For reproof. That's showing you, hey, that's not right. That's, so for reproof, for correction, here is what's right. And instruction in righteousness. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is going to be continually doing this. It's going to be continually teaching you, helping you understand what's really true and right. It's going to be challenging you about things that aren't. It's going to be showing you what is right, and it's going to get you the information, understanding you need to live it. But see how it's a continual turning? It's a continual recognition. It's a recognition of a new thing. And like I said, it doesn't have to be some huge overwhelming thing, but you want to learn to live with, okay, God it's like what it says in one of the Psalms. Lord, search me and know me and see if there's any unrighteous way in me. Show me. I want to be aligned with you. I want to turn away from those things, but God, you've got to show me. And so it's, it's a way of life, this idea of a readiness to repent. The second idea of this way of life is it's, this repentance is a hallmark of humility. Because you're saying, I'm wrong. Do you remember? How many of you remember? Some of you watched it as old TV. Some of us watched it as new TV. Happy Days and the Fonz. Remember the Fonz? What could he not say? I was... He couldn't say wrong. Because you know what you have to do to say you're wrong, to mean it? You must humble yourself. Good news, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you will develop this, the repentance is a way of life. 
You will be humbling yourself before God and he gives grace to people who are humble. Grace to see the truth. Grace to understand the truth. Grace to then turn away from what's wrong and to learn to live by the truth. God's grace because we're humble. And the third thing as a way of life is this, that it makes us responsive to God's voice. When you humble yourself and and you have a repentant mindset, you are like... Um, the people listening to John the Baptist, all of a sudden they heard God's voice, didn't they? And what, what do we do, God? And they're asking John, but right, it's, what do we do? It's like in, in Luke chapter two where uh, Peter preaches the gospel, but he also tells them, hey, you guys, you people here, you crucified the son of God and God raised him from the dead and, and you know, And they said, what should we do? You see, this is where repentance leads you. You can hear God speaking to you. You It makes you sensitive because here's the deal. Let me think. You've been around kids enough to have seen this, I'm sure. There are times when you talk to a child and you say, hey. And they go, huh? And you talk. And then there's times when they kind of know they're doing something that they think you're going to tell them to stop doing. And you talk to them, they're like, what? <laughs> and they aren't doing that, but that's what they're doing, isn't it? They aren't hearing you. They may hear that you're talking, but they aren't listening. But see, when we choose repentance as a way of life, we're listening. And we can hear from the Lord and then make those changes. All right. So I think we get this idea of repentance. I want to talk briefly about regret. Um, Regret is your de facto choice when you don't choose to repent. I think we can almost guarantee that when we find ourselves in a situation, we don't, we don't say, oh, regrets, that's what I want. I'm going to choose some regrets here. We don't. But if we say no to repentance, we have, in fact, chosen regrets. Whether it's in the next hour, the next day, the next week, month, year, lifetime, at the judgment seat of Christ. We have chosen to have regrets. Um, because regret is the in- inevitable destination of refusing to repent. Because what are you doing? You're saying no to God. Do you think it ever goes well when you say no to God? Does it ever go, go well in your life when you say, I know better than God? No, it's not going to go well. You are destined for regrets. And by the way, when I talk about regrets, here's a thought. Because I, I, let me just use an example. Let's say that you, you know, always kind of, you know, you wanted to you hope that you could retire and have your needs met. Okay? And so today you decide, well, I'm going to spend this money 
yeah, I'm not going to save, and I'm not going to. I'm going to get this credit card, and I'm I'm going to fill that up. You don't necessarily think, but that's what you do, right? And you make these kinds of decisions where your money is going anywhere and everywhere for your whole life, and now you retire and you have no more income, and all of a sudden you're trying to live off Social Security, and you're gone. You have regrets. You have regrets. I wish I had done something different. But what I want you to see is this. I'm not talking about that kind of regret. And those are real. And those are nice to avoid too. I'm talking about this regret. That one day all of a sudden you, it hits you that wait a minute. God entrusted all of that to me to be a good steward for him. That I would bring honor and glory to him with my life. And I would make a difference with the resources he entrusted to me. Oh God, I have wasted all of that. And I have regrets about that. That's a lot bigger kind of regret, but it's what you're headed for. If you don't choose to have a repentant approach to life now. And then understand this, that, that regret is sorrow without a solution. Repentance is sorrow that brings a solution. Okay? You know, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, and all the things that go along with it. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And this is where I think we have sorrow, where we have regrets. It doesn't bring solution. You just live with it. You live with the consequences. Sorrow without a solution. So remember that. That's what you're choosing. When you choose not to live a repentant life, you are choosing sorrow with no solution. And finally, the only way to avoid regrets is by choosing repentance. The only way. Choosing to be open to correction. Choosing to be humble before God. So let me challenge you and encourage you. As you go through life and you're making choices. Choices that are going to determine your destiny. They're going to not only determine what you experience soon. But later. And in eternity. As we're walking through life, making those choices, and, and whatever the specific issues are, all along the way, think, okay, wait a minute, God, am I missing something here? Am I, am I really living a life that's aligned with what you say and what you desire? Am I missing that somehow? Show me. Father, show me. And I'll, I'll change. You know, by your grace and enablement, I'll change. I'll do whatever needs to be done. If you will live that way, and since we've all sinned and we will all have some regrets, but you will have a whole lot less regrets when you stand before the Lord. If you live this way. If you never receive Jesus as your Savior, like I said, that's where it starts. You've got to say like I did, oh God, I see it. I am lost. I am unsaved. I, need to, I, I believe and receive Jesus as my Savior. It starts there for you. And so listen, if I can help you with anything, any issues, anything you don't understand about this, or just things in your life, you say, well, am I something I need to repent of here? What's going I'd love to help you, okay? Feel free to reach out. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you worked in our lives and for almost all of us here, maybe all of us, Lord, bring us to that point in time where we knew that we were unsaved. We knew we were headed for hell. We knew we had sinned against you. And then we understood 
what you did when you sent your son to die for our sins and rise again from the dead. And we received, you, we received him as Savior, Lord. Thank you for that. For bringing about that repentance and faith in us. I pray, Lord, for anybody who doesn't understand that, Lord, that, that you would continue to stir them up on the inside and draw them to yourself until they finally trust your son as Savior. I pray, Lord, they would humble themselves and if they need help, that they would ask for it. But Lord, help all of us as your people to live with a repentant mindset, open to correction, ready to turn away from and to you, that you might be so greatly and honored and glorified in our lives that we will be thrilled in so many ways when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ rather than having deep regrets. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go out and have a mindset of repentance.